And welcome back into Don't Forget the Popcorn, the Dave and Wes movie podcast. And man, are we excited for today's episode. Uh, episode of firsts left and right. First of all, though, Mr. Wes Ledesma, how you doing tonight? Good to be back in the office again, Davey. Always a pleasure. Huh? It is. It was a little dicey. I mean, early November here in Michigan, and we got... Inches of snow. Unbelievable coming out here. Yeah, a couple inches on the way. US 10, that was uh, white knuckling it about a month earlier than I yeah. expected, to be honest. It's like with the you. ashes of a nuclear holocaust, perhaps. Ooh, uh, boy, foreshadowing. There, yeah. So we're excited. We said it's an episode of first. I mean, you heard it right away. Uh, we're picked up advertising once again our new platform, anchor.fm. Hey, we're a sought right after pod, Dave. Uh, once I get again, it feels good. Know, they came calling, we answered the bell. Huh? It does, it does. And our first time that we've had an interview coming up with a actor, an actor, if you will, yeah. Mr. Thomas Macias. You'll learn all about him. You'll get to hear uh, the movie that he's in with the guest artist. So we're excited to have that interview and bring that to you. Uh, so we realized we could probably be having some new listeners, yeah. uh, new listeners tuning in to hear uh, Thomas and, and doing that. So... We're on episode 38 here at Don't Forget the Popcorn. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've been doing this for about a year. Uh, we kind of take top fives, just take our normal movie conversations that we have, slap a mic in front of us, and just hit play. I mean, we we call it our pre-pod. We just talked for the past 40 minutes yep. <laughs> before we even hit record. And sometimes uh, some of the, the best stuff comes out with that. But uh, we're really excited if this is your first time listening. Uh, if you want to follow along, if you want to find some of the old episodes, you can go on Facebook, follow us at the Michigan Podcasting Network, which we are a part of. And you can also follow us on Twitter at DFTP movie pod but if this is your first time tuning in we're glad to have you a part of the uh the colonel army if yes. you will uh when we look at it so uh, a couple of uh you know people giving us feedback on last week we did our scream popcorn profile spooky season has officially come to a close uh, and I I've seen a few people were getting it, uh, getting their screams in. I think I seen Bergman uh, she, went down the scream path. I think uh, Mrs. Papa Dot herself yeah. uh, stumbled upon scream. So and a lot she, of viewers last week. She was with you. She's a huge Dewdrop fan. Yes, right? I love it. I can't believe yes. somebody else like Dewey. But yeah, it's we we saw uh, Bergman said that she did not think they held up as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I. We, it we wasn't a fan down. of four. Is that no? So kind of same boat as me. Yeah. Thought it was way better than she thought it was going to be. Uh, and I think she just was go, also a just first going time. back to do the rewatch. She didn't didn't see the yeah. pull as yeah. Okay, she, I can she get it. Didn't uh, really didn't, get yeah, us on yeah, that I one. But uh, hard to argue with Red White and Bergman though. So, so yeah, I get it. Uh, next week. We know we're getting right into the heart of hunting season. I think opening day here in Michigan is that Friday. And we were trying to go, like, is there any really good hunting movies? Uh, eh, the Dangerous Game with Ice-T. Yeah. Oh, that's how I was actually <laughs> just going to say that. What's, what's that, uh, the Tommy Lee Jones movie? Is there, is there The Hunted? Or no, I'm thinking oh, of... Oh, uh, it is The Hunted. That's uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro. Yep, okay. Yeah. So you're looking at that's a kind of a stretch yeah. too. I mean, that's once again hunting the most dangerous game, man. Man. Uh, but we thought, you know, hunting outdoors, it's a great time to be outdoors. Oh, wait a second. Ooh. 
Great outdoors, uh, baby. It came right together for yeah. me. Yeah, I see it. I and love it. I'm excited. So we're going to give the bucket list treatment to the great outdoors next week. I think our, us talking about John Candy yep. and the Shawshank Redemption pod. <laughs> there you go. If you're first time listening, you might want to go back and listen to the Shawshank. Somehow one. we worked John Candy into Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I, you got to love it. Uh, so we, we're going to break down the great outdoors. I'm really excited because I don't remember this movie at all. Uh, I don't think I've seen it since... Maybe I was six, seven years old. Oh, wow. So that is, long. Oh, yeah. It's it's fuzzy. I don't remember anything. I know some lines. What's the old 96er? Yes. Uh, the the Grizzle, all that good stuff. John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, I am pumped for us. To I'm excited for you to week. get a rewatch. And like you asked before, I wish I could say it's been that long. I honestly probably have seen this within the year. It's just one of those movies when you're, you're kind of looking through the movie library, at least for me. I'm like, you know what? I'm in for a little Dan Aykroyd and John time. Candy. I'm going to fire it in. Good background music. Yeah. There we go. So make sure to tune in next week for the great outdoors uh, bucket list treatment. So I didn't get to see any this week because I kind of went down my Terminator uh, rabbit yeah. hole, which we're breaking down here in a little bit. Uh, but you were able to get two movies in, or at least one. Uh, we got a guest reviewer coming up. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got one in that. I feel like we mentioned on a previous have, pod, Midsummer, right? Midsummer, Midsummer. Is it mid Midsummer, Midsummer, or Midsummer? Midsummer. Okay. It is. Uh, I think it's Swedish. I think it's, it takes place in Sweden, right? Yeah, it takes yeah, place so in Sweden, and it's, it's uh, the director of Hereditary. So if you've seen yeah. that, it was you kind of know what you're getting into as far as it's going to be a little weird. Yeah. Well, it was a bit too weird for me, Uh-oh. and this is a. Uh, I like a lot of movies that I see, Dave. I go, I step I'm in. I'm with you. We're I in the step same. In when I'm putting a, either step into the theater, or I'm putting a movie on. I'm expecting at least at least a bucket. I couldn't even put one kernel in this bucket. Oh my god! I can, I'm giving it zero buckets. Midsummer. There is no zero. Way I can, zero buckets. There is no is this way our first I can. Zero I, can I can't. I can't in good conscience send somebody in to see this movie on my recommendation. There is no way I could do it. Unbelievable. It uh, it was bizarre. It was a really bizarre movie. I, I'd love to hear somebody t- you know, say different and why they liked it. Like, change my mind. I it's completely open-minded fresh. for that. Really? It's certified fresh. Ooh, so 83%. 83%. Hey, give it a go. I, in fact... Give it a rent, Dave. I want to see how much we differ. Maybe uh, if, boy, wouldn't that be something if you came in with three buckets that I... <laughs> 63% audience score, though. Not horrible, but I, I've heard what you just said echoed quite a bit, where it is very weird. It's just, it's it's out there, man. Yeah, it's, it's out there, man. It didn't uh, do it for me, I guess. Wow. But I can't... Well, yeah. what, I mean, without spoilers or anything, I mean, you're giving zero buckets. I know you don't want to dwell on it too much. Why Why well, the zero it, buckets? The thing, it's, it started off, it had the uh, it had the bones of being a good story where it was going to, all right, you know it's going to be creepy. You know it's going to be weird. Again, you're taking the hereditary director, so you know you have an idea where it's going to go. And it just... It was really, uh, it really erratic with the storyline. Mm-hmm. I thought, and then it just got really bizarre as far as some of the things they're doing. Yeah. I didn't fully understand the reasoning behind a lot of it. Again, without spoiling it, so yeah, it's. I feel confident with the zero bucket. There is, yeah. I can't. I, well, I hard want to pass. See it now. Hard I pass. I want to see it. I mean, coming from you. Uh, for our first-time listeners, this is the guy that gave Too Fast, Too Furious yeah, three and a half. Right? <laughs> now, granted, the next episode he did apologize for it. Uh, but, I mean, that's 
That is a lot. I'm with you, buddy. Because when I, I'm the same way. I'm not going into a movie to just not enjoy it. Or yep. like, I'm usually rooting for a movie. Like, even if oh, I don't yeah. enjoy a movie, I'm like, eh. Like, it has to be horrible uh, for me to be like, well, that was a waste of two hours. Like, now I'm, like, I'm, I'm genuinely upset that I yeah. wasted this time watching this movie. Exactly. Because you have so oh, yeah. you have just uh, so many movies that you could. And, you know, Kristen's looking at me, what should we watch? I'm like, you know what? Let's give this a go. And oh, so that, that's, watch a, it too? That's, a, that's a red check in my column for, oh, yeah, she bailed on it. She actually went upstairs to go study with about an wow. hour left. She's like, well, I've seen all I need to see. That's amazing. But, I mean, <laughs> well, for her, that is that's Kristen. pretty par for the course. That's uh, Until this next movie, apparently. Oh. So this one's been out for a while. I mean, Mike and Dave need a wedding day, yeah. right? Probably five, maybe five to ten years old. I mean, it's been no, out a while, think, not that long. I don't think that old. I think about three, four years. Funny movie. Actually, I think pretty underrated. Guy from Workaholics in it, yep. right? What's his name? I love him. He's It's so funny. He's in so Guy much. Guy from Workaholics, Modern Pitch Family. Perfect. He's yeah. the Manny. And then uh, your boy, Zac Efron, friend of the pod. <sighs> yeah. I think this movie's hilarious. Isla Fisher's in it too, right? Oh, no, it's uh, The Cups Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could just picture the cups. And then the uh, Four Buckets. She loved it. That was the first time seeing four it. Four Buckets she from Kristen. loved every... Dr. Sleepgate. Nine months of buildup of expectation of what this yeah. movie should be. I find out about it last week. You're kind of going in excited because it's still... It's a new idea. Absolutely. It's, you just found out about it. So, yeah, that's one I'm excited for. So, speaking of getting excited... I was really excited. Uh, this has been in the works for about a month and a half. I've been exchanging emails. Uh, we finally got our first actor interview on the podcast. Uh, I was able to sit down with Thomas Macias uh, this weekend. He was able to call in and you know to give a little bit of background on him. Uh, he's you know uh, 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 this is his first movie uh, that he's in that's coming out. Uh, but his main job is he's a stage director at the Purple Rose Theater in Chelsea, Michigan. That okay. is the theater that is owned by none other than Mr. Jeff Daniels. And, you know, it's it's a great community theater. Uh, they really want to, you know, try to, whatever they can do to really bring to light great actors and plays and playwrights. And I can't say enough good things about the Purple Rose Theater. I would love to be able to yes. get down there and, you know, see a, a play there. But, I mean, we're talking one of our favorite actors that we've talked about oh, numerous times, yes. Jeff Daniels. And this uh, actor that we had the chance to interview this week, uh, Thomas Macias, can you imagine that being your first movie and going toe, toe to, to toe, toe with I, Jeff Daniels? No, I can't. It's a big tip of the cap for him for... <sighs> You know, being able to have those acting chops to go scene for scene with him. And then again, just a big thank you for him to take the time yeah. to come on and, uh, you know, do an interview with us. That That's fantastic. Absolutely. So uh, let's kick it over to it. Here is my interview with Mr. Thomas Macias. It is a huge honor for us here on Don't Forget the Popcorn to finally get our first actor interview, and it's really cool to have a great Michigan connection. We are welcoming on Thomas Macias. He is uh, the Purple Rose stage manager, the uh, theater that is run by Jeff Daniels, uh, owned by Jeff Daniels, and he also is in a brand new movie uh, starring Jeff Daniels. Uh, called The Guest Artist, and it's uh, exciting to have him on. So, Thomas Macias, welcome on to Don't Forget the Popcorn. Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm super excited. 
super excited. So just a, a little background, uh, you know, we've we've been waiting to kind of get an actor on and, and uh, have the chance to talk about, you know, the acting process. You know, what is it that made you want to get into acting in the first place? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, I grew up in uh, Rochester, New York, and I did, you know, theater and a little bit of improv in, like, high school. And actually, my, like, performance start was in middle school. We had a uh, performance magic club run by one of the seventh grade science teachers who was a, magi- a magician himself. Um, and we did a magic show at the end of the year, and then I helped out the year after that uh, when I was in eighth grade. Um Kept kind of doing performance stuff, went to college, started with the theater group. Um, I went to college for film at the Rochester Institute of Technology. I eventually ended up changing my major um, to kind of a dual, like, theater, film, create your own major sort of path. Um, and I just, I, I love the idea of live performance. I love the idea of storytelling. Um, you know, I use this example a lot that when you're asleep and you dream, literally when you're doing nothing else, you're telling yourself a story. That's what your brain is doing constantly. And I just, I think um, something that I've picked up here at the theater, at the Purple Rose Theater out in Chelsea, Michigan, um, the artistic director has said before that we're uh, hardwired to tell stories. You know, we're just, we're just, you know, humans sitting around a fire telling a story and much, you know, the stage for us, you know, the stage is the fire and the audience is, you know, in the dark listening to our stories. So, um, you know, all those, all those, all those different things, um, you know, really appeals to me. And I just, I love being able to connect with people on a performance level, but also just literally just a storytelling. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it. And I, you know, even putting it in the, of like that fire i mean you go back to time that's folklore and passing down tales and doing that that's such a cool way of putting it and and definitely agree with you so what what is it that brought you to the purple rose theater then and and brought you from rochester to chelsea michigan to be a part of uh jeff daniels purple rose theater yeah so i was um senior year of college i was uh kind of struggling with where where to go next and I had a friend, uh, a really good friend, who was going to be working uh, for GM in Michigan. And so I just kind of, on a whim, looked for theaters in Michigan, and I was like, I'll find something. You'll work in the summer. I'll take your housing in the fall, and then uh, that'll be that. And I found the Purple Rose Theater, um, saw that they had an apprenticeship. Um, the apprenticeship at the theater is about 13 months, um, and you get to learn everything you do. So for when I, I eventually got the apprenticeship, um, I was in the box office and worked in the shop for the first show, and then the second show I was in rehearsals and was the crew backup position. And then for the spring, I was the sound and costumes apprentice, and then in the summer, I was the set maintenance and lights apprentice. So you get a really well-rounded experience here, um, and then I've been here uh, ever since. I've been, I was hired onto the stage management team right after the apprenticeship, and I've worked on every single show here since then, except for one. So. That's really cool to hear that process of how you have to learn the ins and outs of everything, whether it's the lighting or set design and, and doing that. That's that's a good way. I mean, it makes you uh, really learn the ins and outs of, you know, play acting and, and getting every single part of that. And, you know, uh, just I imagine how important that would be in, you know, a smaller uh, theater to, to be able to do that. So, you then, you know, you're yeah. at you're at the Purple Rose and, and you're getting your start there and, and acting, I'm sure, in some plays and doing that. Uh, but then you obviously got the call up 
to be in the guest artist. And this is, you know, a movie written by Jeff Daniels, starring Jeff Daniels, uh, directed by uh, Timothy Busfield, who, you know, has a long Hollywood career. Uh, what was it like to get that call? Yeah, um, so uh, back up even before the call, we had uh, auditions here. So uh, Guy Sandel, who's the artistic director at the Purple Rose, he was the uh, casting director for the film. And so when they were starting the process, Jeff knew he was playing Joseph Harris, the lead, and then we knew Tim was in it. Um, but they needed they had a couple of other roles. Um, this movie actually was originally a play that was done at the Purple Rose in 2006. Um, and when... Jeff and Tim, and then Melissa Gilbert, who's married to Tim, but also, um, uh, you know, in, in her own right, is a very well-rounded uh, actor. She was on Little House on the Prairie. A lot of people might know her from that. Um, but the three of them got together, wanted to do a film um, with their, you know, combined over 100 years of Hollywood TV and movie <laughs> expertise. Um, and Jeff was like, Jeff's also a playwright. He's, he's uh, written over 18 plays for us at the Purple Rose Theater. And this one made sense for him to turn into a uh, movie. He, he had previously done a movie called Espinaba into Moonlight. Um, and that was kind of a small indie film in its own right. Um, but this was another uh, small play that he thought we, would translate to the film uh, world pretty, pretty well. So they held auditions. Um, and the <laughs> I knew that they were happening, but I hadn't been asked yet audition and so I went up to Guy the assistant director and I asked him if I could audition and he said I could under one condition if I copied the sides of the pieces of the script that they needed for the audition <laughs> treating me like a stage manager so I was like great I'll do that I did uh, went to the audition the audition was with Tim and Jeff um, you know you read across from Jeff and Busfield is there um, and it was just an easy I mean, it wasn't easy. It was, it's about, it was just an audition, right? And so uh, a whole bunch of people went in, came out, you know, great, lovely, didn't hear anything for a couple months. Um, and then I got an email from Tim saying he wanted to call back. Um, asked if I was available, and I was. And uh, I went to the callback, and the callback really was just a, um, it was just it was just me and Jeff and then Richard McWilliams, who plays Franz in the film, and then uh, Makara, who plays uh, my ex-girlfriend in the film, Hope. It was just us, and he, they were like, you know, we want to hire you. We just want to make sure that we can work with you. So it was a little less of a callback and more of a, like, let's make sure that this is the right choice before we, you know, actually jump right in. And I remember kind of being frozen in my seat for about five or ten minutes until oh. <laughs> Jeff was like, hi, anybody want some water? <laughs> and he caught up, everyone took a, you know, sigh of release, and then we um, we kind of moved on. We, we ran a couple scenes and, you know, just played a little bit, and then I was offered the part, so... Um, you know, it's a super, you know, right time, right place, you know, lucky, but also, you know, prepared to, to take, take it on. Um, and I had known Jeff a little bit. I mean, I've been working at a couple rows now for about a little over six years. So like we knew each other. Um, my, my previous claim to fame with Jeff was that when I went to see him in Blackbird on Broadway a couple of years ago, when I went into his dressing room, he greeted me with open arms and said, Thomas, my hero. And that was enough. That was all I ever needed my interaction with Jeff Daniels to be. And now I've got this, you know, this guest artist thing. Yeah, that's that's just phenomenal. That's like a, a dream come true. And obviously that's something that you've been working for. And you obviously have that familiarity with Jeff. So I'm sure it's not the 
being starstruck, you know, having to audition across from them, I'm sure it's still a, a tough thing to do. Um, especially, I mean, this it is totally was. this is your first film, right? Yeah. So yeah, at, my first film. I mean, I did. I was in. I was in film school, but like, so I had little bit parts here and there. But yeah, this is my my first, you know, major film. So. I mean that that's so cool. Just the the imagine what that feeling had to be like. I mean, just getting that. But I mean, I, I encourage everybody to go see the trailer. Uh, and you know, as I was kind of researching for this interview, I was watching and saw that uh, guest artist won you know best actor for Jeff Daniels at the New York Independent Film Festival and won best director uh, for Timothy Busfield at the uh, same festival. And you know, when he was accepting the award for Jeff. You know, obviously talked about how great of an actor Jeff was, but he also sung your praises and saying, you know, how immaculate your uh, performance was with this being your first film. So, I mean, is it once you started shooting, once you actually started making the movie, was it was it intimidating for you acting across from, I mean, Atticus Finch himself, uh, you know, one of our finest (laughs) actors that we have here in, in the United States right now? You know, what was, what was so interesting, uh, so like a week or two before we started running, or we started shooting, uh, Jeff and I met at the studio, um, just running lines. It was just literally him, me, and his dog. Um, we, we ran lines like three times that week for about an hour, hour and a half, and I would like go run lines with him, and then I'd go home and watch Godless, because Godless had just come out. Oh, of perfect, so perfect. <laughs> I got to, you know, see him on, on Netflix, and then also get to run lines with this guy. Um, it was It was amazing. You know, Jeff... Uh, really built the Provorius Theater based on uh, his experience at uh, Circle Repertory Theater in uh, New York City. Um, and a lot of it is just living truthfully in imaginary circumstances. That's a lot, you know, you hear that talked about here at the theater a lot as far as acting is concerned. And Jeff embodies that. When he's, on, when he's playing a character, he's not, you know, it's not who he thinks Joseph Harris is. It's what would Jeff do if these were his real circumstances. And you, you get that when you're playing across from him. He is an incredible listener. Um, that's kind of, in every film that you see him in, he, that's, that's what he excels at. That's why he keeps getting hired. And that's really what acting is. It's about taking care of your partner. It's about listening and reacting. It's not acting like how you think somebody would act. It's what you would actually do. And so that's, you know, people have gotten to see that um, with him as Atticus Finch for the last year. Um, and they get to see it in guest artists as well, and I'm sure in all the rest of his projects, that'll be, that'll, that, that's what people talk about when they talk about Jeff Day. So he really takes care of you. He takes you under his wing, um, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care for quote-unquote acting. He wants you to listen. He wants you to be real. He wants you to talk to him. Don't, you know, don't, you know, with what you think will make it better. Just do it. You know, and, that, and, and that way it was, it once. You know, a little intimidating. In the, in the film, he plays my favorite playwright in the history of the American theater. And so, like, it's not hard to play that with some songs Jeff Daniel. Yeah. Um, but it's also just, you know, it's listening to this amazing, interesting guy that I, I genuinely respect. Um, so that, it was intimidating, but it also made it really easy to, to kind of fall into the role of Kenneth. Yeah, I would have to imagine it's probably intimidating the, like, first couple times of rehearsing but once i mean once it probably wears off after a while that okay i'm working with jeff daniels i'm doing all that i mean it probably you you can really sink into your character uh maybe the starstruck aspect wears off a little bit um but what i think is really cool too not only are you across from jeff daniels acting in in this movie as your 
first break. But I mean, Timothy Busfield is a great director in his own right. I mean, I've always been a huge Timothy Busfield fan. Um, I'm sure our listeners would know uh, he was in Field of Dreams. Uh, one of my favorite roles, I mean, it's a lesser known one. He was Lou Collins in Little Big League. Uh, Danny Concanon uh-huh. in West Wing and, and directed a lot of that, obviously, in 30-something too. Uh, so what what was it about his direction that maybe really brought out the best in your performance, especially with it being your first film? That's such a good question. So, so my, my job at the Purple Rose uh, for the last couple of years has been a stage manager. And so I'm the guy in the room who's got to keep it together, right? So there's three of us stage managers. So when I'm hired to do the job, I'm the one who takes care of everything and everything's going to be fine. So um, that's kind of in my blood now because it's been my job for the last five or six years. And so Tim's job um, when we were on set was really to just knock me off tilt. Um, he would, you know, give me purposely conflicting direction. He would purposely come up to me and, like, talk to me about something completely different. Uh, there was one time where I'm, I'm confident we, we ran this one scene three or four times, and after the last one from the other room, he's like, uh, Thomas! And I was like, yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. And I was like, I don't understand what you said. And he said, action and we did it again you know just, just that was that was what he was doing the whole time and it was purposeful because Kenneth, this guy has no control over anything that's happening he's he's desperately trying to pull it all together but it just doesn't come together and so kenneth again kenneth is, is me it's the most you know frantic nervous scared excited part of me but it's part of me and that's that's what's so beautiful about Tim's direction he was never like uh, wouldn't you feel this way if it was always, let's put you in this situation. Let me knock you off balance even more. What if we do it a little bit faster this time? What if you need to, you know, just, just giving me little bits and pieces to get me out of my head and to just, you know, just move forward with the work. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think you hear that about all the best directors of, you know, you get that good direction where it doesn't even feel like acting i mean you even said that with jeff daniels it doesn't really feel like acting it feels like you are you know listening and being yourself and doing that and i think our our, the best directors out there that's exactly what they bring out of you so you know we've had a chance to talk about um all of that tell us a little bit about the guest artist obviously it's not going to be widely available for everybody to see uh but just uh set this movie up for our listeners a little bit yeah, totally. So, um, <clears throat> guest artist starts, uh, the film, uh, the first about, you know, five minutes or so is set in New York City. Um, and, uh, Joseph Harris, played by Jeff Daniels, is a playwright and he meets with his agents and they're talking about the fact that he's got this new play that's supposed to go out somewhere in Michigan, the middle of Michigan, who knows where that is. Um, and then, uh, cut to him getting on a train, coming to Michigan and, uh, Kenneth, uh, who I play, um, wakes up in the middle of the night and realizes he's terribly late to pick up this playwright. So he goes to the train station, um, and Joseph Harris is his favorite, favorite playwright in the history of the American theater, and he is not at all uh, who he expected him to be. And it's uh, the whole play, or the whole movie, excuse me, takes place um, all in this one night, um, and it's about the relationship between Kenneth and Joseph and um, how they bring out the best and worst in each other. Um, and uh, the, it definitely still feels like a play, and they didn't want to shy away from that. There are some really great movement with the camera. Um, Tim Busfield and the, his son, Willie Busfield, uh, was um, the uh, director of photography on it. And they do some really great movement shots, and then you, you settle in for like a long monologue, and the camera doesn't move. 
and you get to play, it plays back and forth in the fact that it is a movie and it's a play and it's all about storytelling and it's all wrapped up into this one, you know, 75 minute uh, film. And I think it works really well. Well, that's fantastic. I really hope, uh, you know, it really gets that wide release, if not in this day and age. You know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get it on, you know, streaming at some way, shape, or form. But uh, it sounds like you have a pre-release screening coming up uh, at your alma mater, right, November 18th? Yeah, that's right. At the Rochester Institute of Technology um, in Rochester, New York. Uh, and if you want more details, you can find that on the alumni page. Um, but the big, the big... Uh, fundraiser for the Purple Rose is coming up on uh, November 29th, and that's going to be at the Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor. Um, it's a really big theater. Um, we're we're raising money for the Purple Rose Theater, which is amazing. Um, and not only will I be will I be there, but also uh, Jeff Daniels, Tim Buckfield, and Melissa Gilbert are also all slated to be there. Um, the plan is to do a screening and then a Q and A afterwards, um, and it's going to be a big night. We're really excited for it. Really, really excited. Well, that sounds wonderful, uh, Timothy. Uh, that sounds wonderful, uh, Thomas. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time, you know, to be on the podcast. I, I think, you know, just seeing what I saw in the trailer and hearing the interviews from Jeff and from Timothy Busfeld, uh, I think this is the first of many films for you moving forward. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, to start off with these guys uh, is something to be pretty proud of uh, and something to look back on. Probably just like being a guest on this podcast, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're pretty level. I think I think both experiences are going to be highlights of my life. Yeah. Sure. Jeff Daniels or high school principal will do another podcast on the side. I don't know. I don't know. Pretty even, but no. Yeah, all, tomato, tomato. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, Thomas, uh, really appreciate you giving the time to us uh, and wish you nothing but luck uh, moving forward. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. There you have it. I, it's, I feel good. I feel like we yeah. finally got our first actor. And what a great guy. Like you heard it right there in the interview. What a great guy to have as our, our first interview guest. Uh, I love it. I mean, we're giving back to you know somebody that's working here in Michigan. Yep. I mean, the film takes place in Michigan. It's got a very good Michigan feel to it, so I, I think what better than having a Michigan-based podcast, uh, having him as our first guest, and I mean, it was it was cool. Award-winning actor, yeah, too. Heck, he got yeah. he got the award in, in one of the film festivals, and you know, the guest artist, the movie that you heard talked about there, uh, I really think it's got a chance of getting distributed. He talked about that in the interview. Uh, a lot of these independent films, yep. they play these film festivals and it will be like a distributor like uh universal pictures mm -hmm. or uh, a lot of the times it'll be like sony pictures classics or like somebody that's the art house uh you know the the films that will pick it up a lot of the horror movies it's the blumhouse, no, yeah, blumhouse uh, that pictures will like pick them like up that, or yeah. annapurna will be another you know one that will pick up some of these independent films so I'm really hoping everybody gets a chance to see the guest artist. I'm hoping I get a chance. It, it, so do I, yeah. From the two-and-a-half-minute trailer, it looks phenomenal. And, you know, it, it's one that I'm really hoping people get to check out. Jeff Daniels, I mean, always hits it out of the park. But like I said in the interview, Timothy Busfield, love him. It, Luke right? Collins. <laughs> exactly. You, you put a Luke Collins, a little Jeff Daniels, I uh, got a good mix there, Dave. It's a great mix. It's a, it's a good mix. It's a good mix. So, uh, th once again, thanks to Thomas Macias for taking the time to sit down and interview with us. Heck yeah. Big thank <sighs> you. So, we go from, you know, the, the good, warm feeling of, you know, an interview that went well to the 
scared empty hole that is left by incoming apocalypse uh, nuclear holocaust <laughs> the rise of the machines and cyborgs it is time for us to break down terminator 2 i need your clothes your boots and your motorcycle <laughs> Twenty-nine-year-old female diagnosed as acute schizoaffective disorder. She believes that a machine called a Terminator was sent back through time to kill her. My son, he's in great danger. Are you the legal guardian of John Connor? What's he done now? There was a guy here this morning looking for him too. Yeah, a big guy on a bike. I wouldn't worry about him. Get down. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now, you reprogrammed me to be your protector here. He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. E-1000, advanced prototype. Kill us all! Go! Come with me if you want to live. We don't have much time. Excellent. It's definitely you. Hasta la vista, baby. Dun, 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 dun. What an dun, iconic, dun, 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 dun. iconic movie score, dude. Oh, uh, just that, those sounds. I mean, that sound is... I, I, do you put it up there with Jaws? 100%. Ooh, I never even really thought about that. But yeah, though, that quick little sound right there is so synonymous. Just like, dun it, dun it. Yeah. Yeah. So dun, you almost dun, have dun, to dun, put it up there. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, it, it is. It's such a good score. Uh, and, you know, we're really focusing on T2. So when we do a bucket list, we call it a bucket list. One, where don't forget the popcorn. Popcorn comes in buckets. Two, Bucket lists, things you got to do before Heck you yeah. die. You put them together. You got a bucket list treatment. We have categories that we break down, go back and forth. We're going to be talking about, you know, best quote, best scene. Uh, we'll talk. We'll, we'll explain what our Jimmy Rebhorn yeah, right? is uh, <laughs> when we get to that point. You get the silver tough, tuna. Tough Jimmy Rebhorn today too. Very tough, but I'm very pleased with mine. Uh, and then we have something called salty scenes, uh, where we we put a little salt on it, some other things. I did. Did you come across a few of those? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, okay, I, did. I, I think any '90s action, you're going to get yep. some salt. Okay, but, nice. Uh, so first question I want to ask: uh, Does it hold up for you? Did it hold up? Like re- getting a rewatch? Well, what? When's the last time that you saw it before Ooh, you watched this one? It's been a while. I yeah. mean, we, I would put at, put this at in the decade range since really? I've seen this. Like, it's wow. been a, okay. a really long time. I mean, there's there's been probably three, four Terminators, I feel like, yeah. since this one. So there the has. ones you're going to rewatch, you know, you're probably going to throw in the Christian Bale one, uh, the... Uh, the new Darna- the Daenerys one. The, yeah, Genesis. There we go, Genesis. Terminator Genesis. So there's been so many before that that you just you forget how great Terminator 2 was. So when I when I went through the down my Terminator wormhole, I started with Terminator 1. Yep. Came to 2 and going in that way, this held up incredibly from the special effects from 1 to 2. Now kind of seeing the trailer for this newest one 
from the most recent Terminators, you can see how the special effects got a little bit, got got so much better actually as yeah. we moved on. But my God, this still this well, still looks incredible. I I think Terminator One was groundbreaking at the time. 1984, and you know the budget wasn't huge for the first Terminator, believe it or not. Tell, and well, you have to understand. I mean, this is old Jimmy Cameron. Yeah, he didn't. I think he did Piranhas two before this. I mean, he barely had anything. Oh yeah, that's right. He barely had anything in his filmography at that point. So I mean, they're taking a shot on him, and then the Terminator just blows up to be just this massive iconic movie, and then he basically, and you can tell, got a blank check. For T2, and he used that money extremely the, well. I cannot believe the the difference. I mean, what do we... Is it 1984? So, 84 to... So we're yep. Seven years. Yeah. It looks like it's... Like, the future of 20, you know, 2020, yeah. the, the leap that it makes from there in seven it was years. unreal. Unbelievable. The great special effects that... I honestly think they hold up pretty yeah. darn good. I mean, the, the, the liquid metal, the, I mean, the, the way that he, uh, you know, the shots taken yeah. and the way that, you know, he, he reforms his body and stuff, everything looks really good. And I think that does hold up like the well. liquid metal when he turns into like the liquid where it's the clear, mm-hmm. like that looks a little dated. But I mean, even that, I mean, it's, it's fine. I yeah. mean, for that's early, early computer yeah, graphics. This is, it's this is the cool. first of its, I, you know, without really looking into it, I would say this was the first of its kind as far as doing this type of special effects. Pretty close. And uh, I just, I don't remember anything the like Abyss this was, around this. Which is also Jim Cameron. Uh, the Abyss, if you remember. Well, I've Have never you ever seen, seen The it? Abyss, no. It's Ed Harris, isn't it? Not bad. Uh, it's very similar. The water has like comes out and it's a very similar thing. Where, yeah. uh, kind of the same technology for you that. You think it was Robert Patrick that was yeah, in the water? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I definitely think it holds up storyline, and I think the bones storyline with it. Well, even one holds up. That this has been one of the best, uh, just story like plot lines that they follow so well. Like it tells a story, and I guess I didn't realize how well one transitions yeah. to two. Sure. And even as you move through the Terminators, how it kind of keeps that consistency. And it's like it was something I never really paid too close of attention to, and I, I was impressed. I. You just brought it up, so I'm going to go with it, with storyline and, and talking about that. And I know we're jumping around a bit, but do you think that we look back and look at this storyline, and even as they're going on, Terminator 2, Terminator 3, like, do you think that the storyline almost carries more weight now because it seems like this could be more realistic? Yes, yeah. I mean, we have our smart devices in right. our house. You know, we have our Amazon hey, we're Echoes. Lo- we're looking over at Alexa right yep. now, trying yeah. not to offend her with some oh, of these comments. Said, Don't say anything that, there. Right? Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> but, I mean, it is one of those things where uh, we are kind of moving closer and closer. Yeah. I mean, there's the report of, uh, I think it was Facebook had a... Uh, this technology where it was chats, like the robots were like, or the AI was talking with each other and then they started creating their own language and they had to like pull the plug on it instantly. And yeah, it's geez, that's terrifying. I know. (laughs) So then, I mean, you think about everything else. I mean, it's, are we kind of moving towards cyberdyne technology? I think one of the comments that, uh, John Connor makes in T2 is, you know, why'd they, why'd we attack Russia? Aren't they our friends? Yeah. And I think, uh, Arnold, well, they knew that would be that would cause a reaction like that, yeah. and it's it's like, boy, that's pretty realistic. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, good lord. Yeah, I, I think that 
definitely is what helps us even hold yep. up more is that the bone. Really, I think in terms of action, doesn't this just feel like a modern action movie? Yes. Like you go back and watch like the 1984 Terminator or even some of these older like action movies from the 80s. Like this feels like the only thing that's missing, like this could be made in 2019. Yeah, uh, and the only thing is just the a little bit of the outdated special effects, mm-hmm. but kind of having the big action scenes and I mean everything, it's, just everything seemed it's like it's got like a sprinkle of Michael Bay and it was it some does. of these explosions and I mean it, one of the thing one of the scenes that stand out to me are uh, towards the end there when you know Arnold comes right to the uh, yeah the, the, are, the, are the cops here yeah. Yeah, I think they sent all of them, and he, yeah. yeah, he mini guns them all, and that is an incredible, just, just scene in general. I mean, with the special effects and everything that you touched on there. Well, and that's the other thing I, I was going to bring the up mini later gun. too yeah. is the just how I love all like even late '80s moving right into you know the '90s. I mean, they're actually blowing stuff up. Yeah. It's no computer animated. It's not like the CGI, which that's all we get now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's those 90s action. I love it. I mean, how did think of the helicopter scene? Like that hel- Yeah. Like they're filming some type of helicopter crashing into the back of that truck. I mean, they're blowing they blew up you had to Cyber 9 Technologies. Well, and and I was reading that uh and a lot of those flashback scenes when you're seeing all the burnt, uh, you know, burnt swings and burnt yeah. cars and stuff, they had to char everything specifically for that scene. So it wasn't any like, all right, green screen, we're gonna, yep. you know, put it in. Well, we're gonna have to lay fire to this uh, playground here so we could get this uh, little flashback for us. And that's that's the it, only it way to do works it. So well, it does. It does because I mean, you look at stuff now; it's all CGI, mm-hmm. and it's. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's, it's become less cool. impressed. I was going to ask, that was going to be another one, too. Yes, I, I think that's what I miss about movie-going experience now is, like, everything looks really great. Yeah. It looks cool. But are you ever just, like, wowed at anything anymore? Like, imagine, I remember this so vividly because this was one of the only movies I've ever seen at a drive-in was this movie, was T2. Uh, it was a double feature. Where did you go to see a drive-in? It was in Saginaw. It was at, like, the Stardust. Nice. So uh, I remember my parents, we, they took us. It was a, d- a double feature like most drive-ins were. The first movie, Bill and Ted's Bogus yeah, Journey. Yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> and then the main event was T2. And I remember just being so unbelievably blown away when the T-1000 was yep. like melting and coming through the, the bars mm-hmm. and that special effects. Like, I don't, do we ever get that with movies anymore? Like, I just feel like, oh, yeah, that's another huge explosion in Marvel. I feel that like my reaction to the T-1000 was similar to that doctor, you know, in the in the hospital when he's, he moves <laughs> through the bars <laughs> and he's just got that pen cap or whatever and it just falls out in yeah. disbelief. Like, when you first see him and what he's capable of, it does look that good where you're just you're blown away. And the only other movie I can think that had that type of special effects effect that Terminator 2 had was uh, Jurassic Park when you yes. first see the dinosaurs. Oh, yes. And so it's it's this and it's Jurassic Park that are always going to be memory burns as far as like this groundbreaking special effects. Well, and it's always seeming to be James Cameron because titanic was like that oh that's a good point think yeah. of like the special effects with that and then fast forward avatar avatar was groundbreaking yeah. special effects i would say avatar might be my last movie that i saw where i was just blown away by it and that was where it was the 3d yeah like you had the 3d glasses and just 
having that movie going experience, that was the last time I really remember being like, man, that is something special, special effects wise. Quick sidebar here. Yeah. Has 3D uh, movies gone the wayside? Was that a quick five years in and we're I think done? They're done. I think so. They too. still have it. Like you can still see the movies 3D, but now I almost prefer to see it 2D. Yeah, I'm all set with it. I, It'd have to be something pretty. You know which one I did? I know there's 3D way. TVs for a while yeah. that people had to get glasses. That didn't last. That went the way of the curved TV. It was sort of like, do we really need this? Yeah, I got a curved TV. Yeah, uh, so do I. And I'm like, I don't really need this. It does nothing. What does it do? The glare? What am I getting? Depth. 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 depth, depth, depth. depth. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> but I think with 3D, it, it was it was overdone. Like yep. They were doing 3D for things that shouldn't have been 3D. Like The movies that were genuinely made for 3D, like Avatar... Uh, you know, a couple other ones. I that think was Beowulf good. was one of the first. Uh, the last movie I saw 3D, Beowulf. and it might be one of the last that first I will last, see. That'll be messing down here. It could be. Uh, was Ready Player One. Ready oh, Player okay. One, I went out of my way to see in 3D, and I'm glad I did because there were some great wow. scenes, and it was... Your love for Ready Player One is uh, well documented. Yeah, you're darn right <laughs> it is. So here we go. Let's start getting into it now because I think we looked at the Does It Hold Up. Uh, best quote. Best quote. There's a lot to choose from, but I think they're all going to be... <laughs> Did you go chalk here? I didn't. I always complain about chalk, but... And this and was I always something go I kinda, chalk. Yeah, right? This was something I kind of mentioned to you when I first came in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right into it. The come with me if you want to live, it's going to be my, my uh, favorite quote in this because I didn't nice. realize how much every single movie carries that along. And, okay, yeah, they keep that along the... There's some other quotes that they carry too, but this has such significant meaning because it's always the person who's trying to save you is saying that, and it's like the, all right, I got to go with this guy. I mean, we we Michael start right ben. off. Kyle Reese in the very first yeah. one says it to Sarah Connor. Get to Terminator Two, the T Two says it to John Connor, and then he also says it to Sarah Connor, and it gives her that when she's in the hospital that okay, he's with me. The come with me if you want to yeah. live. I mean, we go right to. Kyle Reese, Reese to Sam Worthington in the uh, the Christian Bale one. He says, come with me if you want to live. I love how they carry that through the movie, and I love the meaning that it carries yeah. through each of the movies. So huh. that was Good the one point. that I kind of that I gravitated to and encircled, Davey. That's, it's, I noticed it as well. I noticed when he said it in the second movie. I didn't know it. Like you said, that it kind of continues on yeah, through the others. And it was it was up there. It was up there for my favorite quote. I got. I just got to go chalk. I feel so embarrassed. Yes. Like I, I was trying to nitpick. I was trying to find funny ones. Like there was some good stuff with the biker bar. He's like, <laughs> can't let you take the man's wheel, son. Uh, like when the big guy comes out with a shotgun and just instantly steals it away. And you know, there's some great parts with that. But I had to go chalk. This movie is known for one quote and one quote alone. Hasta la vista, yep. baby. Uh, you just look at the way that it's set, and I love how it's set up. Where it's in the car and they're kind of talking. He's trying to no problemo. No problemo. And you can kind of put them together. Nineties yeah. and you know trying to give them all that stuff. Uh, but the hasta la vista, baby. Here's why I still feel like people still say it once in a while. One hundred percent. If I hear somebody say that, I'm assuming like. A little ninety-one T two coming out of there. Why else would you say it? And there's there's high school students that were you know born what a good 13, 14 years after this that you know I still hear and, and I'm not saying it's an everyday occurrence like a kid's not leaving the office and be like hasta la vista Mr. McPeak uh, you know as they're doing it you know that they're not oh. like dropping it 
You know, it's not like going out of every classroom saying it, but it is definitely one of those things where I, I think they they still use it quite a bit. Uh, you know, it is one of those quotes. I love that you went for it. That was I had to. Yeah, I mean, that's yep. just, it, it, need, it needs so, a shout out. And you just think of when it came out. I felt like everybody was saying it all the time. Well, it had one. This is a movie that had one of those. Uh, it had like three quotes that just always withstood the test of time. Yeah. The, Come with me if you want to live. Hasta la vista. And then have you seen this boy? It's oh. just it and the, always carried on. I think they even used that. And the, the, I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back I'll be as back, always. Of course. I mean, because it was so good in the first one. And then it's it's still good in the second yep. one, how it's used. And then it's just overplayed in <laughs> all the other ones. And then they try and figure out a way to work it. Oh, they work in. it in every one now. Yep. But, you know, it, it, it's definitely, it's tough. It was tough to pick the quotes. But I, I had to go that one. I like yours. I like yours for the meaning of going through all the different ones. This was a lot harder. The scene, The best yeah. scene. Because there's some great ones in this. And it's, uh, looking at this, it was uh, like a lot of the quotes were engulfed in the scene. So yeah. it's hard to separate them from, all right, do I, is that a quote or a scene, actually? I almost want to talk about the whole scene there. I'm going to let you lead this one off here, Dave. You let yeah, me go first. Yeah. A, a, a change. Well, a I got, change I got like a tie here, so I'm waiting for uh, Ty going to go to whoever you don't pick kind of thing. Jack Talk Ty? Oh, Jack Talk Ty. Uh, well, here's the thing. I, I wonder if I even picked yours. Yeah. Because my best scene is a really good one that I think sets the tone for the whole movie, and especially with it being a sequel, you know, it's one of those that you maybe aren't sure exactly where it's going. The music that's playing is phenomenal. So let me set the stage for you. You're at the arcade. You're in the arcade. You're playing the afterburner. You're in this this little thing where you're in the plane and you're you're flying around. And Steve Butnick comes up to you and tells you that a cop's looking for you. Uh, and you see the the cop uh, who's Robert Patrick's T1000. You scurry off into the back hallway. And what's this? Who's coming through? And it's like the, it's like the. It's like the steel yes. sounding thing that's going through. And you see Arnold in slow motion carrying the box of roses that goes into a sawed-off shotgun. And then he's scared out of his mind, turns back and runs away. And who's this? Robert Patrick has the gun out. And then now you don't know what to think. The janitor's sitting there sipping a well-placed Pepsi. Uh, product placement at its best. He's looking this way, the guy's looking that way. They yeah. don't know what they're doing. Doesn't know what to do. And I love, I shouldn't say I love, that's such a weird <laughs> thing to say. There's so much random collateral damage in these movies of like people that just get like, yeah. so many bullets put into them. Like that poor janitor's just sitting there <laughs> sipping out of Pepsi, uh, you know, just minding his own business and gets blown away by T1000. But I love that. And I don't know if this counts as an extension. It's that whole scene. Now it's the chase. Yeah. Now it's the chase of that, and you get the great. Wee, wee. Yeah. You yes, get the, that the dirt, dirt bike. bike, and then he's running after the dirt bike, and then you get the chase in the L.A. River. And then where, how about like a little add-on to? How about Arnold's oh, cock of the shotgun every man. time he has to? Th- just the little spin. Coolest reloading. Coolest shooting 100%. of all time. One hundred percent. As he's riding the Harley. It, I mean, that's. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, how had many to, times, I had to jump in on that one. How many times, like, we all had Have those toy guns. Have you tried to cock guns. a shotgun like that? Not but a- the toy, the toy, you <laughs> never had, like, a toy shotgun no. when you were growing up? 
No, I've never had a toy shotgun that I get to spin and pump like that. Oh, I always tried. I always <laughs> yeah. tried, like, and it never yeah. worked. Never worked. Granted, maybe because it was plastic, uh, but it was. I agree. That whole chase scene. Think of how the semi, how awesome yes. it looked as it jumped and went down, but. I think it took a little too much damage, kind of like our bus in speed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that whole that whole chase scene that sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Even though I mean it comes at about the half hour mark, what a scene! That's yep. my favorite scene. I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. That was yeah. I, I, was that one of the ties? I, yes, one hundred percent. And just to kind of piggyback off that, it that scene is was that the first time we see the T one thousand take those shots. To show that he can kind of uh, yes. reform. Yes, it is. So we get so much in there because we we see that Arnold, all right, if you're just watching T1, you maybe think that Arnold's the bad guy. You know, yeah. who's we got a cop here, we got Arnold here. You know, who's the bad So you get that reveal, which I love the roses scene. Great, yeah. great call. And then just, uh, tran- you know, uh, transitioning to the T-1000 chasing him in the, the semi, just an incredible scene down that way. Yeah, I love the choice, Dave. Yeah. Love the choice. So I get to use my second one. All right. And you you did a little at the beginning of the movie. I'm going to go right at the end here, and I'm going to, for me, this scene always pulled a little bit at the heartstrings. And I'm going to set it up similar to you. It's going to be an elongated one. The T-1000 and Arnold are battling, right? And he's Great doing battle. that... Uh, the steel that, beam. The steel beam right yeah. into his head, and you can kind of see Arnold starting crunch. just crunch. crunching. That that little red eye of his kind of fading in and out. And he sees the gun. He's doing that slow crawl towards the shotgun that's just over the edge. Yeah. That steel pipe goes right through him. A couple of times, I believe, he yeah, does that. a couple of times, and the one time the right last the time chest area. Spins it, and you see, the, you see the red dot go out. And it's, God, you can, you can feel that. Yeah. You know, we kind of transition to the T-1000 going after John. We come back to Arnold. That little light flickers. And you see his head pop up. The life comes back to him a bit. Pulls that... Alternate power source. Alternate power source. (laughs) He's got that little bit to grab the gun. And then you kind of, you know, you see him coming up at the end for that final shot. I know that's a long scene there that I'm setting up. Oh, no. It's all part of that scene. My God, I love that. And it, it... it just really sets up how it ends and how you can, somehow you get emotionally attached to a, a robot there. I remember being really broken up when uh, he couldn't self-terminate and has to be lowered into it, and you get the thumbs up. I have, going it, into I have it written down here. Molten hot thumbs magma. Thumbs up, tears. Because <laughs> that's, that's tough. Yeah? That is tough. I cannot self-terminate, and he hands it over to old Sarah Connor. Well, Sarah said earlier in the movie, that's the closest thing to a father John's ever yeah. had. I mean, and, you know, he's willing to die for John he, and he protect kinda, him. Did we get a little, uh, you've got mail there? I know now why you cry. And he reaches over and <laughs> wipes the tear <laughs> off of there. Did we get a shop girl don't, out of Arnold? Don't cry, shop girl. <laughs> right. Don't cry. Don't cry. Uh, that was more dry, yeah. I think. <laughs> if you cry, I must break. If he, if he cries, he cries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, that, that well, would uh, be yeah that would be the uh, Dolph Lundgren uh, he cries, version of it. He cries. <laughs> so all right, I love it. That's a great scene too. It it is. It's the culmination of everything that we've seen in the movie. Uh, so I have no idea. I'm really interested in that new Terminator. That's why we're doing this. I mean, how does Arnold come back? I have a pre-salty scene 
for the newest Terminator. Why why is he aging? Why is the robot aging? I agree. I agree with that. Well, because I... <laughs> like, why just not keep, him fresh, keep the fresh skin yeah. on him? Yeah. But if they're trying to... It wasn't... If they're the other... putting this fake skin on him, maybe the fake skin ages and balds at the same yeah. time? I, well, I don't know. Look at... What wasn't it? Terminator uh, Salvation. They had a whole assembly line yeah. of Arnold's. Like, that's what they made and them look like. And those look like Lou Ferrigno days are yeah. some of those oh ones. Ever well, yeah, because it's not truly like, Arnold. Yeah. I so mean, why are we creating the gray-haired Arnold? Yeah. Man, I'll be interested. That there. better be explained. Is that, is that in the salt? <laughs> that's pre-salt for uh, the new Dark Fate uh, Terminator <laughs> that's coming out. They have to explain it because I haven't seen... Like a lot of nitpicks and people, it's getting good reviews. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's get start getting into it. We have something that we call our Jimmy Rebhorn Award because Jimmy Rebhorn uh, was in our Meet the Parents bucket list, and we absolutely loved him. He was so hilarious. He was so funny. We actually felt like he almost darn near stole the movie, you know, when he was there. So it is one of those guys that we want to pay homage to and make sure that we have. And you'll hear us. It's kind of our cadence that we use. It's like when we, it was a big pod. Why? Because Jim Rabhorn said this line. It was a big shot. Right there. That was in Meet the Parents. So, I mean, you know who we're talking about, Dr. Bob. So our James Rebhorn Award Goes to the guy that you is you're that guy. You kind of have seen him in other things. Yep. You know who it is. You know it's just he's not going to be a top four yeah. billing. You're just gonna you're gonna be watching the movie like oh, that guy. Yeah, and yeah. I'm so excited to see who you yeah. have for your Jim. Well, I think we have the same guy. Maybe I'm going with uh, Xander Berkeley. We do not know Mason. Mason yep, from 24. I, Con, so John Connor's stepdad. You may know Good him pick. from. Uh, he's Agent Gibbs in Air Force One. Yeah, oh, yeah he's in a lot of movies. Great. I know him from 24. George Mason. You know, head of CTU. When it, you know, rewatching this as soon as you see it, like George. Well, no wonder he's that type of a stepdad. I remember how he was at CTU, yeah. just always giving Jack Bauer a hard time. Figures he'd, you know, transition to uh, giving John Connor a hard time. So that's my Jimmy Red. Walking Dead, too, I think Xander Berkeley is was he? In. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Xander, he's, he's getting out there. He is. A, he is a perfect that guy because I couldn't believe how similar he looked. I mean, that yeah. was 1991. I'm like, good lord. <laughs> he, he had that same horseshoe look in uh, like uh, 2002 yeah. and uh, 24. I know. Alexander, did you ever have hair, buddy? I know. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that is a very good Reb Horn Award. And kind of funny in his little parts. He's kind of the foster dad and you know, took a took an awfully rough finger to the eye. Yeah. <laughs> well, having a, you know, just a glass of 2% there. Uh, well, Wolfie should have stopped barking. <laughs> Um, so my James Rebhorn, I, I think definitely counts as a Rebhorn. I went with Big Joe Morton. Yes, I'm happy Miles that he gets a Dyson little shout out. himself because Joe Morton is so good. And he's in so many things, too. He is, as that guy's get, he's in Speed. You might remember oh, him in Speed. Right. He's, he's the cop he in the Speed. Cop. I, I mean, he's just, he's still working. He's in TV shows all the time. Yep. Uh, Joe Morton just... Puts in a great performance important in this movie. role in this movie, too. Hugely important. I mean, honestly, he he could be up for my Silver Tuna Award as well because he's a great actor, One and of the he hits it out of the park. I always remembered from this movie is a Joe Morton scene that <laughs> when he... Yes, exactly that. 
I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Yeah, that that scene has always stuck out for me, and it's uh, yeah, Joey Martin. It just, I mean, uh, constantly still working. I mean, you would know he's obviously aged a little bit now, but he's in everything. And where I love him <laughs> is he is a narrator for a lot of PBS shows uh, because I show a lot of him in my oh, history class okay. when like, I was in there. That's a- he it's a weird uh, shout out. narrated <laughs> a, a Berlin Wall documentary that I showed, and just he's phenomenal. He's got that great voice for it, uh, and he's just he's been in so much. He was an American Gangster, uh, so many different TV oh, wow, things. That's right. He yeah. was an American Gangster. He was on House for an episode. Uh, he was a, a voice in San Andreas Grand Theft Auto. I mean, there's so many great things. <laughs> uh, you, do you remember from Paycheck? <laughs> The Ben Affleck joint? I think that's a pretty solid movie, actually. Been in a lot. So, underrated, I agree. Mm -hmm. Ali. I mean, this is a guy that's just been in in so many movies uh, and definitely, I think, well-earned my my role. Jimmy would be proud. Jimmy Rabhorn would be proud with Joe Morton getting the nod. So now, moving on, we we go to our best performance, which we dub our Silver Tuna Award uh, because of, I don't know, I don't even remember well, how we, it's Home Alone, but I don't know how tuna, we, Marvin. <laughs> we just started saying it, I just don't know how we ended up calling it our Silver Tuna, so tough one, tough one, I think it's a, I think it's a four horse race, I went to, three horse race. I went knee jerk reaction, when I think of this movie, who who uh, who stands out the most to me? I went Edward Furlong, Dave. Are I you went, kidding yep. me? He was the one I wasn't even named. Yeah, include. absolutely. For Ed me, Furlong. I th- I loved Edward Furlong in this. If you if I think of back to this movie, and maybe that's because of uh, at the time that I seen it, but he was a kid that uh, God, when was this? Ninety one or yeah. seven years old? He's a kid you wanted to be like. You know, he's a, he's the bad boy kid. What stealing he's break, ATMs? Breaking into ATMs, <laughs> three hundred bucks at Easy a time. Money. A high score on the racing game at the local arcade. <laughs> he's got his own Terminator that's doing things that he says. I mean, are you kidding me? He's a savior of the uh, the human race here, Dave. It's a I'm going. Kid. I'm going Edward Furlong. Then I'm wow. happy about it. Unbelievable! Yeah, I Eddie, thought Eddie I, I can't believe it. I <laughs> cannot believe that is where you went. I just I struggle. It's always the team like. His performance, he's fine. Like he does. You mean a great to tell me job. I can't get somebody else to play uh, a a Terminator? I can't get another female lead to play Sarah Connor. I can't find an Edward Furlong. Yeah, well, that's yeah, because most of those kind of up, up and coming. <laughs> but I struggled with. I thought it was a three horse race, yeah? not counting John not. Connor. Well, my Eddie pony Furlong. came up uh, from the so long shot. I thought it was between Arnold. Uh, Robert Patrick and Miss Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, T1000, and original T. Uh, Earl Boyne, Dr. Uh, Silverman, isn't getting a nod. He was was almost my Jimmy Rebhorn. Because he was in the first one, too. He was in all of them. Every single Terminator, Dave. I kid you not. Even Salvation? Yes. Every single Terminator, he makes an appearance. And I didn't realize that because I was looking at him for the Rebhorn. Like you're in too too many Terminators for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a really tough decision, but between Furlong and uh, no, no, <laughs> I went with Robert Patrick. Yeah, his performance as T1000. I mean, I, I think we gave him. I think he made both of our villains list yep. in our top five villain. He's Ooh, awesome. Good callback. He is so good in this. Just so menacing the way that he runs. And maybe you have this in tidbits. Did you hear about how much he had to train? Oh no. Like to run. Like he had to train. Like he was in amazing shape because he had a 
he had a run, and I never noticed this until keeping I was up with a truck. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he had a run without moving his like mouth. He couldn't breathe through his mouth, so he had to oh. train himself to like get that good in cardiovascular shape where he could sprint and just breathe through his nose because you had to have that stoic face as yep. you're running. Well, he got in such good shape and could run so fast and train himself to run. He actually had a slowdown when he was running after Ed Furlong on the dirt bike because he kept catching up to it. <laughs> Are you kidding yeah. me? As it's going out of that, uh, wow. out of that, uh, you know, parking garage, he had to start slowing down a little bit. So Robert Patrick is so good. He's got just that menacing look. I think he's almost been typecast as a villain ever he since. He has because when you when you see him, you have that. Well, that's the T-1000. T-1000. It, it, you never almost, get over it. It's almost been type, yeah, typecast is that type of guy, yeah? yeah Great so choice. I had to go with him as my best performance. Uh, wow. Robert Patrick, for sure. Linda Hamilton and uh, Arnold wondering what went wrong here with those Silver so, Tuna Awards. Arnold's the iconic one. Arnold is the Terminator. But, I mean, it's not really much of a performance. Yeah. And, I mean, it's fine. Linda Hamilton, I actually thought, was almost a little bit better in T1, uh, the first Terminator. I thought there was a touch overacting, which I'm going to get into in my salt. I'm going to get into in my salt. She is a completely different Linda Linda Hamilton from 1 to 2. She is like a Meg Ryan Linda Hamilton. I don't know why I keep going back to you've got male references here, to like this battle-tested Sarah Connor and yeah. what happened in those years? Yeah. Like, she's in a mental institution. I'm, why Why is she training? I mean, Let's what, save it. Let's save it for salt. What, what We're kind of a it. gym do they have there at the... Uh, <laughs> well, it's her bed. She flipped up her bed. Yeah, she was doing chin-ups on the bed. How's the knee? You know I don't like them to toss the cells. Uh, so we'll get in. We'll get into it in so. Shawshank comment? No, it was... Uh, <laughs> it was the doctor said it, I think. Oh, that's right. So here we go. Uh... We're, we're going to get to our salty scenes, actually. We could have just transitioned. Yeah. So salty scenes, the, we love the movie. It, they're good movies. Uh, obviously, we put it on our bucket list for a reason. So our salty scenes are things, ah, they just annoyed us. There's something that's a little bit off. Like We still love the movie, but it's fun to kind of get in there and just find things that we can play. I mean, you can do that pretty much with any movie but even the movies we love we love them so much we watch them all the time so you're going to come up with things that you don't maybe enjoy uh and that is definitely the case with this movie there's definitely some good salty scenes that we have give me a couple what'd you have what are some salty scenes that you had Wes I'm gonna I'm gonna go right to the scene that you dubbed your favorite scene Mm. so we see Arnold coming down that that hall, looking at the T one thousand. So, did he stop at a flower shop? Did he did he buy a box of roses? Where did the roses come from? And sub question: How does the the you know a Terminator think? You know what? I can't just go walking around with a shotgun. I got to buy a long stem uh, dozen roses box. <laughs> we got to conceal that, and then I got to go meet him, and then awesomely display my shotgun. So that was one of the things I, th- I, I threw down. As, it was uh, kind of a sawed-off shotgun, too. He could have fit it under that coat. Exactly. Nah, you, you know what? I'm going to need the, the 12 long-stem roses for old John Connor. Maybe he got them as like a, you know, come with me if you want to live, and he was going to hand him a rose. <laughs> like the bachelor. But then, yeah, it's like, you've been chosen. We're going we're gonna to save you. But then he's seen the, uh, you know, the T-1000, and he had to audible a bit. Well, you know, give him the roses. Wine him, dine him, and cyber dine him. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done there. Uh, but it's definitely one of those things where, yeah, it's, it, 
Where where does so that come gonna, from? You're gonna see the. Where did he get the money? He had to steal the roses. There you go. So is there a deleted scene where we see uh you know Arnold and some florists get into it? There could be a deleted scene or quite a few because I did notice that I had the choice between the theatrical version, which was two hours seventeen minutes. And then you had the other choice of the extended version, which was an extra half hour. Yep. There was an extra half hour of scenes. And for the purpose of this, I like to always keep it to the theatrical for the most part. Watch the extended. You did? I, I feel like you can always tell which scenes are Agreed. not meant They're to be They're cut for a reason. And it's like, I don't know if this was, I don't want to get into this extended scene uh, wormhole here. But I don't remember Arnold like smiling or practicing smiling in the theatrical one. Yeah, and that was not. in the extended because I remember watching that thinking, "This is really odd." And it's him and Ed, him and Edward Furlong. Yep. They're just practicing smiling. It looks weird as heck. Yeah, but I sent you that gif a couple times. Yes, this week. that's when I seen that. I'm like, huh? Maybe that wasn't in the ex, uh, extended, and that was in the theatrical. But that gif, what you sent yeah. me, is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and that's you can tell. You can mm-hmm. tell why they cut certain scenes unnecessary. Yeah. So, other salt. Why does T-1000 ride his bike up the, or, or, you know, motorcycle, sorry. He's got a motorcycle, breaks into this, uh, you know, the uh, Cyberdyne. Was it Cyberdyne? Cyberdyne, yeah. yeah. it was Cyberdyne. Chasing after him. It's already been established that T-1000's pretty fast. Yeah. And probably, I would imagine, be able to leap, you know, up these stairwells. Yeah. Like, have a, a pretty solid Frank vertical. Leap, like an X-Men Zion Williamson yeah. vertical that we're talking about here. <laughs> But yet, the quickest way is to ride your motorcycle up the stairwell where it was awfully tight corners. It almost turned into Austin Powers in it. Like, just, like, backing up, just, like, hearing the motorcycle constantly rev back and forth. Like, why did you do it? Now, I know why they had to do it, because he has to... But Tokyo drifted out of the T-1000 there. He has to hit the jump to get to the helicopter. So I know why they set it up. But once again, like, he's fast enough. You could have just had him sprint and then like make hook the open-handed arms. sprint. Your your liquid metal. Just make like a giant hook that you hook onto the thing. You don't need the the motorcycle jumping out. So that yeah, that That's that I didn't point. like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like the motorcycle heading up. I mean, it made for a cool scene, but there was no need. Yep. The T one thousand just sprint. And why you don't even need a motorcycle anyway. Sprint just everywhere. Keep sprinting. Just Tom keep Cruise sprinting. It. Just, just... <laughs> Uh, I can't love... believe Tom Cruise didn't get this role, actually. <laughs> Tom Cruise, who actually has the T1, th- like, Tom, we, we don't need you running all the time. We're actually going to put you on a motorcycle here. I, no, I'm good. I think I can run that, James. Is <laughs> Nich- that Jack Nicholson? <laughs> it's been a while since I did a cruise. <laughs> it was only two pots ago I think we did the Tom Cruise top five. So, Any uh, other salt? Yeah, I'm going to throw another one because I'm right. We're talking about Cyberdyne there. So they... Uh, so we got uh, John Connor, Sarah, and the Terminator all break in. Actually, with uh, with your boy, Jimmy Rebhorn. Why is there in this incredible uh, Cyberdyne, there's one old security guard covering this whole thing. And apparently, when oh, this, two. When this security guard gets subdued and tied in the bathroom, the other geriatric security guard, Tom, <laughs> you can't leave the desk again. So apparently, this is the thing that he does constantly. 
no care for the security of this institution that has this incredible information yeah. about futuristic wow. computers that they know of. I never even thought about that. And it should be just, like the Pentagon. Yeah. And they got two nightstick wielding guys here just in their retirement collecting twelve fifty. Yeah, they got the guys from Night at the You're Museum. Right. Listen here, butterscotch. <laughs> So I didn't get that. I needed a little bit more security oh, at Old Cyberdyne yes. there. You should have like SWAT, like like paid mercenaries as there. That's just a, a couple. darn good. What Terry Crews wasn't doing anything that day. Yeah. You could put him out front. Cheeseburger Eddie <laughs> right. should have been there. He's got the shakes that'll make you quick. At so, least uh, that, that's a good point. That's the last one. That's the last little bit of yeah observational salt that I yeah, had. I got for a couple you. more. I All got right, a couple excellent. more. Uh, what's about the Linda Hamilton? It's why. I think they went too over the top. I don't think Sarah Connor should have went that crazy. I'm fine with her being in the mental institution. I would have rather have seen her in some type of minimum security prison. When they showed that recording of her talking about yeah. at the end, like, I'm looking at this knowing what she's talking about is true in the movie. Sure. Like, boy, I'd lock that girl up. She yeah. is nuts. But, like, she's so rational in the first one. And yeah. I know there's PTSD that's probably going on. But, like, wouldn't you just be like, Guys, I'm telling you, yeah. I am telling you, please listen to me. You have to understand, like, look at, I mean, look at the evidence. The evidence is here, but instead she's like, everybody's yeah. going to die, you're all dead. Yeah, yeah. Just like, lose lady. It. Yeah, settle down. I mean, you're giving these doctors, I mean, I don't blame the doctor. No. Like, I mean, she has every hallmark case of being crazy, and they have no reason to believe her. It was covered up by Cyberdyne, and... <laughs> Apparently, like they killed all these cops, so they think you know she killed all yep. these cops. She I mean, and this guy that is doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yep. yeah. Kyle Reese said there's no record. Yeah, there's of. no record. Of so it. it's just yeah. You can see how that looks on the surface. So I understand why she could have been institutionalized, but maybe just plead your case a little bit better. And maybe she did because here's where I was very salty on it. But then I heard them say she tried to I think blow up. Cyberdyne, or she tried to like take down these computers. Oh. Like she did try like something before. So she probably yeah. before Cyberdyne was even anything. She tr probably tried to get in there too something quickly. like that. She tried to like blow up. Like they make mention of doing that. So I'm sure that is where she was put on that. Last one, last salt. All right. I don't like how they tried to make the Terminator funny. Uh, you know, there's there's some lines, and the Asla Visa baby isn't funny, but as your this is you put salt on my scene, I'm coming back and I'm putting salt right on yours. Was it necessary for the Terminator as he's limping towards the you know lava? I need to go on the vacation. Yeah, you know, it's like no, okay, all right. Well, all that's right. that's great. What are you? What is it? What's next? A little lethal <laughs> weapon? It's like I was two days from retirement. <laughs> I don't know. That was my arm was off on that one. But I mean, it's come on. I mean, it was. I just didn't like it, and and I understand. It's a bucket. You know, it's a popcorn flick. They it's a do summer. try to like inject a lot of like Terminator humor in there. Even John Connor, when they're uh, they run into those two two guys with the yeah. summer tanks. Yeah, Jeez, you were the kill that guy. Of course, I'm a Terminator. <laughs> I got, uh, all right, thanks, thanks there, Arnold. <laughs> well, but that one is better than like actually trying like a humor a line. Humor, yeah, <laughs> it's like oh well, apparently uh, you know 
Terminator was at Second City in Chicago <laughs> working lines with, uh, you know, Amy Poehler. Uh, that was Upright Citizens Brigade, so I'm getting my uh, improv troops messed up. But I just, some of them, like, there's genuinely funny parts. And once again, I, I don't mean to sound horribly black with my humor here and, like, dark, but with a part where it's like, you promised me you're not going to kill anybody. Yep. Then he comes up to that guy, he shoots him, and then caps him. caps him. He'll live. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that was funny. I mean, right. It shouldn't be, but it, it was funny. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess I at least understand a little bit of where they're coming from on, on some of these things. So, the vacation. <laughs> so very limited salt. And I know there's others that I'm missing, but I think we covered some of the big ones. Yeah, I loved it. All right. This is usually the main event of all of our pods. Uh, we like to recast. I mean, we always go, our bucket list movies, they get, I mean, Hollywood has no original ideas anymore. They either remake, they, you know, Look what recast we're talking stuff. about. Yeah. Another Terminator. <laughs> we're, we're doing this because the new Terminator's out. So if this Terminator, if T2 was remade today, like, we, it's tough. Like, if Terminator was made today, well, Linda Hamilton would be Sarah Connor. Uh, because, yeah, they we had are. Like, we had, like, seven people that had to be crossed off because they actually already reprised these <laughs> yeah, roles. Exactly. <laughs> That's the truth. It was the, the case with um, that. So, here we go. We, we pick four roles. Usually we just do four, the four big roles. In this case, I mean, it's so easy. We went Terminator. Top billing to John Connor. We oh, went, no. <laughs> yeah, Arnold Terminator. I think T-1000, uh, obviously Robert Patrick's role. Sarah Connor, uh, Linda Hamilton's role, and then John Connor. Eddie, Eddie Furlong. Long, the Silver Tuna Award winner for Wes. All right, here we go. You, uh, go out of your way to make sure that's my Silver Tuna. It is, <laughs> it is. Who'd you get for your John Connor? Probably our toughest one, right? Always the toughest one for the younger actors there. And uh, for me, Dave, I went to Dylan Mignette. Ooh. And you may remember him, if you don't, from 13 Reasons Why, the series on Netflix. He is the lead in 13 oh. Reasons Why. He's the main... He is the main guy, Clay Jensen, in that movie. I never movie. watched it, but I've never he, seen the cover of it. He's also in... A, a co- he's been in a couple movies. The The one that I've seen is called Don't Breathe. It's a it's a horror film. But the main movie Don't that you breathe. would see him no. from oh, wait, is 13 me. Reasons Why. He plays Clay Jensen. I think this is a role that he could, he could uh, take care of. He looks like that kind of kid that would follow in the John Connor footsteps. If you see him in 13 Reasons Why, he's a little... Yeah, a little quieter in the beginning, and then kind of rises up as the series goes along to be this uh, a strong, stronger-willed actor there. So I went uh, Dylan Mignette, like he's, and I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Is it Minute Dylan Mignette? I'm gonna go with the French yeah, pronunciation. Give a, give a little bit. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like we always <laughs> joke about this because it's hard. Child actors, yeah. They're not in a lot usually. They're they're just not in like Eddie Furlong. This was kind of his first gig. It was his first. It gig. was. Yeah. So there you go. Like a lot of the child actors that we know and love, Macaulay Culkin was Home Alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you, they they burst onto the scene with this movie. So it's hard to predict who's going to yeah. burst on and who's going to do that. So mine, I feel like we joke about it. We either go with it or yeah. we go with Stranger <laughs> Things. Well, this time I decided to go with it. I went with Jaden the Model Martell. Uh, Jaden Martell. <laughs> I, I went with Jaden Martell. Uh, he's the main character, Bill Denbrow, uh, or D- Bill Denbrow, because uh, I thought he was really good. And honestly, he just kind of looks like Ed yeah. Furlong, so that's why I went with him. I mean, he, he has that look to him. I mean, tell me, I'm showing you the picture here on this audio. Oh yeah, it uh, honestly look was a. Uh... 
a large, like a 90% yeah. reason for this You need this somebody role. that's going to be that, somebody that's going to break into an yep. ATM. Somebody that's going to be able to do some of that. So I, I just, I needed the easy good. money role is what I, what I, you're picturing these guys for. Well, you know, you know, the emotion's going to be there mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, Jaden in that movie, it like he showed the tears. So I know he'll cry <laughs> over Terminator when he dies. So it's, I think it's a good pick. I <laughs> he think he's a good the tears, showed the tears, showed the tears. All right, here we go. Now we can get into the actors that we actually know here a little bit. <laughs> this job. is a big role. Big role. It's a big role. It's a big Sarah role. Connor. Boy, this was a tough one. I danced between a couple, and maybe at the end I'll uh, say who I was between here, but I landed on Mila Jovovich for this role. You want, she, she was on my short list. You want that strong-willed female yes. lead. You want to know that she can handle a gun in these type of situations. Resident We're going Evil to Resident movies, Evil. Seven of them? Exactly. So for for me, this seemed like a perfect... I can yeah. actually, I'm actually surprised she hasn't been chosen to be Sarah Connor in, in, in the nine other Terminator yeah. movies that we've seen. Or that have been out. But yeah, Mila, I like the, I like I the cast. I think it's fantastic. All right, I I might be going out on a limb here. I want to get somebody that I know can deal with, you know, I know can handle weapons. Yeah. That's important for your Sarah Connor. Because I, I love seeing Sarah Connor prance around with yes. that nightstick. Yep. Like, um, ooh, comes that in, was throws the keys, and then it's just like does the punch. So I need somebody that's going to be strong, handles weapons. Also somebody that... We've already seen be able to handle post-apocalyptic uh, situations here. I'm bringing in the big guns. I'm bringing in an Oscar award-winning actress. I went with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, okay. J-Law. I think Jennifer Lawrence. Wow. Katniss Everdeen. We know she I will she volunteer as tribute. Yep. Nicely done. I mean, it's she already has dealt with apocalyptic God, situations. Man. That one goes to you. I, I just <laughs> think, tell me. You couldn't see Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, yep. Especially in T2. You could see her going nuts. Yep. You could see her being strong-willed. You can see her checking all these boxes. A very strong actress. Oh, that upsets me. That's a great choice. I think she's... I, I, I'm going to have to open I up like, the pocketbook. I like the group that you went with, too. I mean, she's she's in that young, up-and-coming yeah. actress group. That's really perfect for that. Yeah, oh. I, I think J-Law could pull it off. There's, uh, this is where I'm so excited for uh, these next two because I could not think of it... I was struggling, and then, boy, did it just fall into place. And here we go. I'm just so excited. This was, I think, for me, this was the toughest of the two, but I'm interested to hear where you went with T-1000, Robert Patrick's role. A tough one because you want a guy that's going to be, he can't be, he can't can't say too much, right? You got to envision him as a kind of, I don't want to say droll, but that that type of character. I want Henry Cavill. Wow, you're going Superman I versus Superman. We're going to keep it quiet a little bit. He's going to have that imposing figure. He's going to have the look. And I think for this type of role, I really can see him uh, gel into this. Oh, well done. I swear to God, if you go with Ben Affleck <laughs> as your you know, Batman versus Superman again. Well, did the Terminators the, both have Martha as yeah, their mother? Yeah, that's, all you, that's all you have to say is Martha, and apparently uh, that, that will cause T-1000 to decompress. <laughs> Henry Cavill, that's, you're going with... Something that's a that's a stockier T one thousand. Yes, I went with a larger T one thousand. He's uh. You already know he's faster than a speeding well, bullet. Well, 
He's and he's gonna, a man of steel. He's going to be smaller than my uh, Terminator, so we'll, I made sure of that. I made sure of that. Did we go the same guy? I don't I'm going to be so. tipped off. The way that you say that, I You're don't right, know. Andy. We might have. <laughs> so I wanted to go here with my T1000. My T1000 did not need to be big. Robert Patrick's not huge. He's not this big, muscular guy. I wanted somebody, when you look at him, you just think, you are always a villain. You're a villain all the time. John Hamm? No. No, I love love me some ham. I wanted somebody that looked like a villain all the time, has that villainous look, just gives that air of being a villain. And I'm like thinking back, I'm like, who who just, I I want somebody that's up and coming. This was Robert Patrick's huge breakthrough role. I keep thinking you're going to say Robert Pattinson every time you say that. Thank God. He was (laughs) a short list, but I'm like, yeah, I can't have Team Edward running through the streets here. So I went with, and I don't know if you're going to know the name. I went with Aiden Gillen. You know who that is? Here's who you're oh, Game know. of Thrones. Here's who you're gonna know him a little bit better as Littlefinger. Yes. Tell me, there's not a better villain. He was also in, uh, if you remember from Dark Knight Rises. Yep. He was the guy that was uh, taken over on the plane. He's just got that Irish brogue, you know, and he's talking. You know, he talks like that. Uh, oh, have I, you seen this boy? Seen, ooh. Like, just imagine him saying that. Maybe even in that Damn accent. It. I just think. Doesn't he have that look? He almost kind of yes. looks like Robert Patrick. That's a really good because it, more for the I, have you seen this boy line? I can see him really delivering yeah. that well. Dang it! Yeah, I'm excited about Aiden Gillen. I mean, and you know, for T1000, you don't need that huge, no, early muscular guy. I think, I think Aiden Gillen, little finger, uh, could extend that finger. Yeah, <laughs> God, dang, nicely <laughs> and done. Get That's... right in that. Giving that one to you again. That's that's, uh, that's two. And here we go. The Terminator himself. Who did you go with? Boy, this the was iconic. A... I mean, this is Arnold's iconic role. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger to a T. We think of him. So who'd you go with? Couple of guys. And I hate I was in the same arena for, oh. for, for both these guys that I was kind of deciding between. You are, it is Ben Affleck, isn't it? I ever landed on Dave Batista, Dave. Oh, I'm, I'm, going, I'm I'm dipping in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm dipping into Drax. He's obviously Great got the pick. physique. And if you've seen many Batista movies, Stuber, I want to keep him quiet a little bit more. <laughs> so we're gonna just have him be a robot. We're gonna have that Batista physique. And honestly, I think he can carry it, carry the mail throughout this being that type of guy. And wow. he's got those little those little comedic sure. chops that you know with the the his greatest the, exactly that with the Terminator when you throw in he'll live. I think Drax can deliver it. So I went with Dave Batista. I think that's a phenomenal pick, really because we were so close. Because my original one before I came up with this one, my original one was going to be Triple H. Yeah, I thought Triple H <laughs> yeah. would have been good, but I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then I. Then I struggled, and I, I went from Triple H to John Cena. I'm like, no, nah, I can't yeah. see that. Oh, it's just the Marine. I'm on and the and uh, it's like, oh, it's like you hear that, you see the T1000, like, who's coming? It's John Cena. It's just... do, 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 do. Yeah, it's like in the robotic. Yeah, the robotic, like, oh, you can't see me. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. So I was in the wrestling mode. I'm thinking a couple of boxes I need to have checked. You have to have the ridiculous physique. You have to be strong. So you got it with Dave Batista. So excited with Here's him. what I wanted. Unknown. You Arnold an, was You didn't want an eyebrow? Arnold was unknown as an actor. No, The Rock would never. That would be so <laughs> You can't mute The Rock. It'd be like muting Ryan Reynolds yeah, exactly. in uh, The Wolverine. It'd be yep. way too <laughs> tough. 
Um, so I wanted somebody that's huge. I wanted somebody that, kind of like you said, you're right. Like, this is a role, go for the physique because you don't need to be a great actor necessarily. And I liked how Arnold was, like, discovered pretty much yep. with the Terminator role. Like, yes, he was Mr. Universe. He was already, like, this amazing Conan bodybuilder that everybody knew. Yep. Pumping Iron, you know, documentary. He was all these different things. Everybody knew Pumping Iron documentary? Oh, absolutely. Back yeah. then? Are you ah, kidding me? <laughs> Lou Ferrigno and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? I, I, I scoff at that, but I've seen that as well. Yeah, so, yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> it's Pumping Iron, baby. Uh, so... Those are the boxes that I wanted to check. Unknown, foreign, huge bodybuilder that was known for someone else. I went amazing. with, I have no idea how to pronounce it, Hathbor Bjornsson. You Hef- know how you know him? Have you ever heard of the mountain on oh. Game of Thrones? So I told you things came into place. As soon as I cast a little finger, I was starting to think you more. Went, like, you went full Game of Thrones here. I did. I, oh, and I wanted I wanted to go lead ahead. <laughs> and I did, but they were already, yeah. they were both already played Sarah Connor. So, I mean, the mountain is huge. Like, if you've never seen pictures, I don't know how to spell his name. Just look up the mountain you in Game of Thrones. You just the mountain. I think that's perfect. And then you do an image search, and you want to talk about an imposing Terminator Oh my God! He this man—he looks like that version of the Terminator that's in the Christian Bale Terminators, yeah. like where it's just a gigantic, and they Ooh. just put Arnold's face on it. And they could have just used the mountain. Heck, that might have been the mountain. <laughs> and here's the thing: like he already basically kind of played the Terminator in Game of Thrones because yeah. he never talked. He already had those red eyes, and he kind of Ooh. walked very robotic. Come on, man. Look at that. You're telling me that the mountain couldn't be an amazing Terminator? I think you'd be it. I'm giving you that one, too. Oh, I think I got it. I think I I won the clean sweep. Clean sweep. Boy, that's... John Connor was probably pretty close. John Connor. Well, yeah, that, do we count that? Yeah. We're just we're just grabbing a child actor grabbing, out, of the, yeah. out of the bucket and hope for Colin the best, Culkin. right? Well, yeah. Let's bring Rory Culkin back. He was good in uh, <laughs> Scream 4. <laughs> so there you have it. I went with Hefjord Bjornsson uh, as Terminator, <laughs> also known as The Mountain. Aiden Gillen is my T-1000. Sarah Connor, Jennifer Lawrence, and John Connor, Jaden the model Martin. <laughs> well, that's give us a recap. You should, of yours, you should win buddy. that one just for the model Martel uh, nickname there. So my T one thousand Robert Patrick's role. I went with Henry Cavill, John Connor, Mister Dylan Mignette from uh, Thirteen Reasons Why, Sarah Connor, Mila Jovovich, Resident Evil fame. Yeah, and then Arnold's role. I went with old Davy Batista. Dude. Yeah, that's uh, honestly your. If I didn't sub in the mountain the at the mount- last minute, what a call! If I didn't get the mountain at the last minute, I think you one hundred percent win that because I think Dave Bautista would knock it out of the park. So, oh, another fun recast, another fun breakdown. Uh, closing thoughts as we wrap up here. It was it was awesome to go, to run through all the terminators and especially the. It's been so long since I've seen one that as much as I was disappointed with how it, you know. Like, Graphically, sure. how it looks, special story effects, storyline, yeah. fantastic, and impressed with how the rest of the Terminators actually, as much as they were kind of all over the place, really kept the integrity For of sure. the actual storyline, and I thought that was really well done. I'm really hoping, it'll be tough, but I'm hoping that 
at least maybe one of us gets the chance to see the. I'll see this before uh, the next pod. One hundred percent. That a Ledesma guarantee. Look at that. That's a guarantee, baby. I like it. You you can slap a guarantee in any box. So (laughs) next week, next week we're bringing in the great outdoors bucket list. I'm looking forward to. I mean, I'm kind of going down the Terminator rabbit hole now too because I fully intend on continuing to finish it up before. Hopefully, seeing Dark Fate. But as you know, I've only watched one and a half Expendables now uh, for about three weeks. So, and I have to get uh, Dexter done for Pressure Peters before uh, Thanksgiving, which uh, is Peters just uh, brushed up, and I was called out for no uh, no, no Hoosiers, Hoosiers love. No Hoosiers. So. So, well, before uh, before we, we'll, we'll give you a pass on that because yeah. I'm looking down, the bucket's empty. Uh, a huge thank you once again to Thomas Macias for joining us, our first ever. Uh, and, you know, we will see everybody next week. We'll be back. Thingamabobs? Yeah, I got nothing.